whenever you start to let go of the diet rules, whenever you start to let go of the thoughts of needing to micromanage, you have so much more brain space to be able to be creative and run a business and think of new ideas. And even just being surrounded by other entrepreneurs who also are intuitive eaters and not making comments about their food and bodies. And so like when we get together, we're not talking about food. We're talking about our hobbies. We're talking about our creativity. We're talking about growth in our businesses. And so like all of that just comes together to, to feel really supportive. This is the Wilder Wellness Podcast, where we discuss all things body image, intuitive eating, and the wilder sides of wellness. Here we reject the diet culture messages that have kept us tame and preoccupied so we can finally build trust with our bodies, embrace true well-being, and have the confidence to take on any adventure. I'm your host, Chris Nails, a licensed therapist with a specialty in wilderness therapy. I've spent the last decade dedicating my studies and practice to helping women feel more connected to their bodies, build resiliency, and take up more space on and off of the trail. Tune in each week for new episodes as we chat with wellness professionals, outdoor adventure enthusiasts, and thought leaders that will leave you feeling inspired, connected, and motivated to live a life free from restriction and body shame. You will receive tangible tools, support, and connection as you take your next steps towards creating a wilder life. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to the show. All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Wilder Wellness Podcast. Today, I am so stoked to be inviting Morgan Sinclair, an eating disorder dietitian turned designer turned strategist and fellow Enneagram 7. <laughs> and um, I'm so excited to talk to Morgan. The magic of the internet brought us together. And ah, this just feels so fun to have you here today, Morgan. I am beyond excited to be here. I love making friends on the internet and I am so thankful that a Facebook group brought us together. So uh, Kristen and I met, it was whenever you were planning your first Mexico trip that was supposed to happen in the beginning of COVID, right? <laughs> Wasn't it like May of 2020? Yeah. Yeah. And you were asking about marketing or like copy on one of your flyers, right? Or Instagram posts? Yeah. I hopped into a Facebook group. It was Jenna Kutcher's Gold Digger Facebook group. I'll tag it. <laughs> I'll let her know what magic she created. Mm -hmm. Um, and hopped in the Facebook group and was like, Hey, I'm like putting on this retreat. And it's like, not a lot of other people are doing it. Well, somebody give me feedback. And then you hopped in and you're like, Hey girl, <laughs> I love what you're doing. Your typical girl boss. Hey girl. Hey girly. Yeah. And then it was magic from there and you were going to come and then it got canceled. No, we'll meet in person one day. One For day. now we'll, we'll be friends through the internet and zoom. <laughs> so Morgan, tell us, we've like hinted that you're an entrepreneur. Tell us about who you are, what you do, like what lights you up. Tell us a little bit about you. Love that. I like to start out in describing who I am work-wise is I'm an Enneagram 7 who has her hand in many, many cookie jars, as most Enneagram 7s that I know do. We like to wear a bunch of different hats. So as Kristen mentioned, I am an eating disorder dietitian by trade. I went to school for nutrition, 
worked at a treatment center as an eating disorder dietitian, but I actually had my master's in business and fell in love with the business side of things. And so I started a design studio for women entrepreneurs kind of when it first started. And then that transitioned into a design and strategy studio specifically for eating disorder clinicians. Once I started working in the field and realized there was this knowledge gap of clinicians who went to school for nutrition or psychology fields like that, more sciencey careers that were then going to on to open up their private practices and didn't have business knowledge, didn't know how to market, was like, couldn't find a web designer that didn't want to put like really triggering stuff on their website. Like had no clue about the eating disorder community. And so blended all of that together to create my design studio, my design and strategy studio, Morgan Sinclair Designs. Awesome. And I know, and I can't wait to talk about what else you do, but I, I also just like what came to me while you were talking is thinking about how it's so easy for us to feel like we choose one career and then we have to stay there forever, you know, and how that can cause so much anxiety and like so much, um, yeah, anxiety. I don't know what else to say, but like being like, wow, like I feel really stuck in this one position. And it's so cool that you're like, I'm going to do this. And then just followed this path. Yes. That is the power of trusting your gut. I, it's like one of those things where I, I feel so in tune with what's happening that I like feel whenever I feel anxious, I just like automatically know like something's not right. And I get to dive into like, am I anxious because I'm uncomfortable because I'm growing or am I anxious because I know that I need to pivot and they're not mutually exclusive, I guess. Right. Like those can all happen at the same time, but anytime that I've been like ready to move on to the next thing and, and close one chapter and open another one. It's always been this just like ruminating on like, this isn't it, this isn't it. And just trusting that. Yeah. And I just want to say how important it is, you know, for maybe people who are listening to have that permission, you know, because I think like so many people, you know, whether or not they spend money on getting their degrees or master's degree, and then like then feeling stuck, you know, Mm -hmm. I know for me (laughs) as a therapist, I started working full-time as a therapist and I was like, I cannot see 25 clients. Like, and I just spent a shit ton of money on my education. What do I do now? Oh my gosh. Am I going to be doing this forever when it really doesn't fill my cup completely? And so I just want to say thank you for the permission to like pivot and also use the skills in lots of different ways. Yeah. Well, thank you. I feel like it's because of connections and friends that I have that have also pivoted or been like, I'm thinking about doing this. And I'm like, oh my God, you're totally right. You can like, just because it's what you get your degree in doesn't mean that's what you have to like pursue forever. And I feel like I find that in like Facebook groups all the time. I, I know we keep mentioning Facebook groups, but I feel like so many people are like, oh, like being a dietitian is like my second career I could go on a whole tangent about how ridiculous it is that we have to choose what we want to do with our lives at the ripe age of 17 years old. (laughs) Like no one knows what they want to do. I don't know. Maybe you do. I surely thought I wanted to be a dietitian. And even though I ended up getting my credentials, like I'm not working as a dietitian at all. So yeah, there, it requires a, a lot of grace and a lot of patience and also a reminder that we're not supposed to know exactly what we want to do when we're a teenager. That's crazy. 
Yeah. You know, and like, I think I went to school and declared my master's or my, uh, my major in theater. Like I was going to be famous. That was really, oh, totally. That was, (laughs) oh yeah. Musical theater was like my bread and butter. And then after like a year of doing it, I was like, this actually feels really icky. And it's funny now thinking about, I use the skills from theater on a daily basis. Like it didn't, it wasn't for nothing. Like I use and touch into that all of the time. And like, there's no shame in like letting that part go. And whether or not, if I'm doing like my, like (laughs) tap dancing moves only for my fiance, like it's cool. Somebody gets to see them still. And it clearly brings you so much joy still. So definitely, uh, yeah, it's it's so cool to look back like hindsight 2020, right? Of all of the things you said yes to that felt like the right path when in reality, it was like pushing you to something new and, and the ability to try something new or feel called to do something different. Totally, yeah. Sometimes if people are lucky enough, I will bust them out at like the bar. <laughs> You know, and, like, and, then I, and, see them. <laughs> and then I just make a lot of friends. So, you know, it's just, it's really like played in it's, it's been important for me to like, hold on to those skills. <laughs> I love that. Sounds like an incredible hobby to continue to have that you don't have to make money from. <laughs> totally. All right. So Morgan, you kind of explained what Morgan Sinclair designs is, but I know you do literally so many other things. Can you tell us what else you do? Yes, absolutely. So the way inclusive space is my jam. I absolutely love it. And so a lot, most of the things that I do revolve around that. So with Morgan Sinclair Designs being the primary one, I do two other things in that space, just getting to support clinicians in building their business and letting people know that weight inclusive care is an option. So more people can access weight inclusive care is just like my jam. So I am building out the Weight Inclusive Business Academy, which is essentially like mini courses for clinicians who are also entrepreneurs, where they can learn about business foundations, branding, marketing, and web design in little like 15 to 30 minute chunks and start moving the needle, moving the needle in their business. My little tagline is building a business uh, on your lunch break. So Love getting to do that, still building those out, but that is uh, a work in progress. And then I also co-host a podcast with an eating disorder dietitian in Denver, Colorado called Weight Inclusive Innovators. Amazing. And those are both like such wonderful resources. So if you're listening and you're like, how does one start a private practice or how does one even like enter into the entrepreneurial space? Like Morgan is such a great person to hold hands with. And like, if you were like, if you did need resources, like I can't imagine how much faster I would be seeing clients in private practice or have everything sort of like ready to go if I had a resource like that. So I just want to say like how awesome it is that you are offering that. Yay. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. I it's, I'm excited for excited for where it gets to go. It's definitely also being built out right now, but it's, I mean, same, like I wish I would have had resources like this whenever I was first starting out as well. And so uh, it's exciting to get to connect with clinicians in that way and and support them. Yeah. And then also like you're being super modest and like you, (laughs) (laughs) you also 
are such like a awesome personality, but you host conferences or like help host conferences. And you're also leading trips on your own that are all food focused. Um, you do a lot, like you do, you have a lot on your plate. I do, but it's all things that I love. Like I, I can't imagine getting rid of any of it. Yeah. It keeps life interesting. Totally. Yeah. What is it like being a a multi-passionate entrepreneur? Yeah. Well, I'll start this off with, I hate the 40 hour work week. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that it's expected for people to be on for 40 hours a week in building their business, especially as entrepreneurs, when you are having to put so much brain space towards it, like no one can be on that much in my, I can't be on that much at least. And so, um, I, I mean, I really only probably work like 30 hours a week, most weeks. And so even though I do have my hand in a lot of cookie jars and I am wearing a lot of different hats, um, I definitely balance it out with rest. And so, um, what the schedule that I set, right. When I started working for myself full time was Mondays and Thursdays are my like behind the scenes days. I get to like wear comfy clothes, be in athleisure, sit in front of my computer all day. Um, and just do work that way. Tuesdays and Fridays are what I call my on stage days. And those are the days that I'll take meetings that I like know my brain has to be on as I am like talking with people, doing coaching, um, recording podcasts, things like that. And then Wednesdays are my flex days. So if I've gotten a lot done on Mondays and Tuesdays, I'll usually take Wednesdays off except for like, you know, checking email to make sure there's no fires to put out. Um, or just like working a half day. And so it all balances out really nicely. Definitely make sure to keep that balance of social life, spending time with friends and family, but also working. Yeah. How do you think it's different for you? Cause you, you do work, like you're working really hard and creating a lot of like wonderful things that you're putting out in the world, but how does it feel different than like working for a large corporation or a company versus what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely pros and cons of everything, right? And so like pro is you get to work in flow uh, when you work for yourself. And so I very much believe that like there's days that I'm gonna be inspired to work on one project and not another. And instead of forcing that creativity to come, I just roll with it. That's not to say, I mean, there's obviously things that have deadlines that like I just have to do regardless, but for most projects, I do have that flexibility of, of being able to be like, you know, I'm really not feeling, feeling this today. So let me work on something else that I'm more lit up by today. And I just trust that I'll be lit up by what I decided to pass on later on in the week or the following week. Um, there's just a lot of autonomy. I will say the downside of it, very decision fatigued working for yourself, as opposed to like working for someone else where they already have the systems in place. They have the structure, they have the things that you need to do when you work for yourself, especially when you're a multi-passionate entrepreneur and you're having to make those decisions like all day, every day, it can definitely get pretty exhausting. So factoring rest into that, um, or, or making decisions. So like I eat frozen meals or like ready to eat meals most days of the week, because that's like one less decision and one less thing that I have to do in the midst of making decisions and businesses all day. Totally. That's really helpful. 
you know, I think like when I think about being an entrepreneur or working for myself, you know, or running a small business, I think about how much you actually have to listen to your body, how much, you know, like being connected to your intuition or trusting your gut is involved um, with running a business or even listening to like, I'm feeling tired or like my creativity isn't being sparked right now. Um, and so I'm really curious because for me, it, it ties so beautifully with things like intuitive eating and healing from, you know, chronic dieting and, and rejecting, like listening to our body. And so I'm curious to know, like, what are your thoughts on that? I love that you brought that up. I feel like my whole life, I've always felt like I could trust my gut. Um, but it really became evident, like how strongly your body reacts to you and your decision-making. And that really came to light for me too, whenever I was learning about intuitive eating and pursuing that, um, definitely have a history of disordered eating, micromanaging my body, uh, over-exercising all of that. And it was like the moment that I learned about intuitive eating and started getting curious about that and started learning about um, health at every size and just what it looks like to reconnect with those senses in your body. You know, with intuitive eating, you think primarily hunger, fullness, your GI system, how it's talking to you. But what comes along with that is like this innate intuition of whenever you're having to make tough life decisions, which no one prepares you for as an adult, by the way. Like, I feel like people are thrown into adulthood and you're like, wait, I have to like manage all of these things in my life. And with that comes entrepreneurship. And so whenever I started becoming more in tune with my body through intuitive eating, through mindful movement, trusting my gut and trusting those decision-making abilities just naturally came with that. And, you know, it was a little scary to lean into that kind of like when you're just learning about intuitive eating and you're like, wait, can I really trust that? Like I'm going to feel full or I'm going to feel hungry or whatever, but the more that you practice it, the more that you trust it, like my gut has never led me astray. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, I think that there is this piece around, like, it can be really scary to listen to our body. It can be really scary for us to be like, I actually don't feel good in this nine to five position. Like that's really terrifying, (laughs) but the more that we can build trust and start to honor our body, either through things like intuitive eating, or just like trusting it a little bit, like switching up your routine because it feels good. Like it makes it easier to make that big step. Um, for you and like following, following your intuition or trusting your gut, like how has that impacted your journey as an entrepreneur? Like what has happened because of it? Yeah. I mean, I uh, have started to say yes to a lot more things. I've always kind of been a yes gal. I like new opportunities, but, but getting to say yes and right decision or is going to get me to the right place, the place that I need to be has been a huge piece of it. Also on the flip side, learning when I need to say no. Yeah. Like there's, I'll have calls with people and I'll like, it's scary, right? Cause like in in entrepreneurship, especially in the line of work that I do, like I'm only making money if I'm working with clients, at least that's how it is right now. And so in the beginning, I was like, 
had this scarcity mindset of like, I need to say yes to everyone because I need to make money and pay myself as an entrepreneur or else I'm not going to be able to be an entrepreneur. But there's also part of that where like, I would have discovery calls and know that the person I was talking to was not going to be, like we would not have been a good fit for each other. And so even trusting that piece of like, this isn't going to be a good fit, but I'm also terrified about like, what happens if I say no to this person? Like, is that same energy going to keep pursuing? And am I, am I, am I going to get clients after I say no to this, but you like still having to trust that? Yeah. What has happened to you if you have said yes, but you should have said no? I have like visceral body reactions. I'm anxious. My mind races. I cry more. Like my body fully knows that I should not have said yes to. Like it's, it's almost scary how like physical reaction I've had to things whenever I like innately should have like innately known that I should have said no, but still said yes. Yeah. And my body is like, Mm-mm, we're going to make it known that next time this happens, you, you've got to say no to projects like this. Yeah. Well, it's like so cool to see the connection that you have with your body, you mm-hmm. know, in this process, yeah. you know, because I think when I think about my clients or think about anyone who has engaged in like years of either chronic dieting, disordered eating, full-blown eating disorders, mm-hmm. a lot of that is always about ignoring our body signals constantly being like, my body is telling me to do one thing, but like, screw that, you know, I'm on this diet plan or I need to like push harder, push more, say yes, make myself smaller. And, you know, I think when we do find this, um, sort of like trust within our bodies, like our bodies will send us such powerful signals. We just have to learn how to trust, to listen to it. And I think it's so inspiring that you're bringing this, like that part of it to business and how you run your business, which has been so inspiring. And it's cool to see it take off in so many different ways, just by you feeling so connected. Yeah. Well, thanks for acknowledging that. I think it's really interesting too, of like, whenever you start to let go of the diet rules, whenever you start to let go of the thoughts of needing to micromanage, you have so much more brain space to be able to be creative and run a business and think of new ideas. And so like that has definitely been a part of it as well. Um, And even just being surrounded by other entrepreneurs who also are intuitive eaters and not making comments about their food and bodies. And so like when we get together, we're not talking about food. We're talking about our hobbies. We're talking about our creativity. We're talking about growth in our businesses. And so like all of that just comes together to, to feel really supportive. Yeah. I love getting a group of people together who don't talk about body size, don't talk about their diets and like feeling how rich and bold the conversations are and how fun they are. Like, uh, it's so refreshing. And I, you know, one thing that I love about the internet and like making connections with you is like, it feels really good to build a community of people that surround me with like the same sort of energy and values. And so like I show up and I feel safe in a lot of places and I feel like I can be excited about these things and not be constantly thinking about like, are we going to talk about diets or is somebody going to talk about their diet and like being on edge all the time? Nailed it. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's really cool to have a community like that. 
So one thing that I did not expect to happen in entrepreneurship, because whenever I, whenever I started full-time entrepreneurship, like had a great relationship with food, had a great relationship with my body, like didn't have any disordered thoughts. Um, or if I did, if they did, you know, pop up, they were very far and few between able to shut them down instantly. With entrepreneurship comes a lot of uncertainty. And for me in particular, it was, how am I going to pay myself? Where are my next clients going to come from? And just navigating all of those unknowns, I started to notice these negative body image thoughts start creeping back in, becoming more persistent, just present more often. And it got me reflecting. And it's like, why is like, why is this happening? Like, I'm good. Like, why am I, why do I have these negative thoughts? And I think it's just this, you know, whenever we have negative body image, when we're trying to control our bodies, it, there's a piece of control in that. And when I was working full-time, I had a consistent paycheck. I didn't have to worry about finding my own clients. And so when you throw in this uncertainty and inconsistency, it, I think it creates this opportunity for more of those negative body image thoughts to come back in because you no longer really have control. And so it was, I had to find other things to like latch onto that wasn't negative body image. I had to like, you know, shut those down. And it's, and I still feel like it ebbs and flows when I'm feeling really good, really consistent with my business, no bet, no negative body image thoughts. But as soon as I start to get anxious about, oh my God, I don't have another client lined up or anything like that. I notice an increased frequency of those negative body image thoughts, which sucks after you do all of that hard work. And then those start to creep back in again. You're like, why is this happening? Yeah. I'm really grateful that you said that, you know, because I think that as business owners in the weight inclusive space, it is vulnerable. Um, and it's really vulnerable for us to talk about any time that we don't feel 100% great around food. Um, I think for me, my journey with, with being a entrepreneur in the weight inclusive space and, you know, my own journey with food is that for a long time, <laughs> I felt like I was able to hide, um, you know? And so like any sort of, like, I thought I had healed enough, you know, like I was like, Oh, cool. Like I'm good. Like I'm still like working out every single day. And you know, like my eating is like this way or that way. But when I showed up online, like all of a sudden, not only was I confronted with like, am I as healed as I thought? And especially when my body is like brought into conversations, um, they're like, Oh, like my, I'm showing up fully online, you know? And like, do I feel comfortable with people making comments about the size of my body, even in a positive way, um, where I really had to like sit and sit with the discomfort of that and be like, where, where are their blind spots or where do I still have work to do? You know, if someone's commenting on the size of my body and like, you know, and it could be super positive, like, oh, that's so good to like see girls like built like you out on the trail. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I notice that like something doesn't feel good when people say that to me, I'm like, why is that? <laughs> Where is that coming from when someone comments on my body? Like, because I'm not like inviting it, but like, it's okay. People, people are going to say that, but it, it definitely has helped me sort of like check in at the blind, like check in in the places that like, maybe I haven't healed completely or like look at certain areas and like be able to own it a little bit more. And it is really uncomfortable at times. 
I think it's also an important reminder though, that like, even as clinicians, as people who have done this hard work, like whenever we're thrown in uncomfortable situations, like it's almost like the work is never done. Right. Like, it's not like you can become like unaware of your body. Like you're living in it. And especially whenever you start to trust those gut instincts, like you become even more aware of what your body's trying to tell you. And so it's like, it's a lifelong process. Um, I think it's, it's definitely been interesting to see how entrepreneurship and body image are tied together, both like the good and I don't want to say the bad, but the good and the not as good. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I think that's one thing that I really love about what you've been saying about like really listening to your body, you know, because I think in some ways I was able to really let go of my eating disorder, like patterns and behaviors, and then just transfer them to being a business owner. Like rather than thinking about my body 24 seven, then all of a sudden I was like constantly just thinking about my business 24 seven being like, what am I going to post on Instagram? What am I going to do next? Who's going to like, who's going to like me? Who's going to, who's going to like, like what I posted? Like, it's all of the same sort of thoughts Mm -hmm. that were tied up in my eating disorder had then shifted and morphed into like me being a business owner. And so I really have had to, in the last year, sort of like (laughs) checked checked my shit a little bit and been like, what is this? <laughs> 100, it's like whenever it's like when it goes from like body comparisons and food comparisons to like the comparison trap of marketing in your business. Um, wow. hyper-focusing on any of those is never going to be good. And yeah, it's having to find that, that balance for sure. Totally. I'm curious, like, do you think that there's been any positives of like being an entrepreneur on your body image or the relationship with your body? Yeah, absolutely. Because having, being an entrepreneur, like you having to be so tuned in to what feels right and what doesn't. And it's, there's, there's times where I like have to just trust that gut reaction and make, make the decision that's best. And at the end of the day, it's like, thank you body for like, for guiding me in that. And for, for allowing me to trust that and know that how you're responding to my decisions, like it, it just creates this even stronger bond, um, with my body. And it is just like one more reason for me to be thankful for it. I feel like in the beginning stages of working on body image, you know, a lot, like one of the main things is like, thank you legs for allowing me to walk throughout the day and being able to like, thank your different body parts. And I feel like once it gets to like the point of intuition, like that doesn't have to stop, but you can still continue to like, thank your body for giving you the signs you need in order to make decisions, even though they feel uncomfortable sometimes. Um, I know I've had many uncomfortable conversations with people and, and one of my top values is growth. And we also know that growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable hundred percent of the time. It usually happens when you're most uncomfortable, but I think there's a difference between like being uncomfortable because it's not the right thing and being uncomfortable because you're standing up for yourself and what you need and like kind of feels the same, like that uncomfortable feeling in your body, but I'm almost able to start like differentiating those of like, oh, I'm feeling this discomfort 
because I said yes to something when I know I should have said no versus like, I'm feeling this discomfort because I just had a really hard conversation and had to put a boundary in place with someone. Yeah. I love that. You know, I was thinking about even my relationship with how, how my relationship with my body has changed through entrepreneurship and running a business and being, having purpose, you know, and I think that this could relate to whether or not you're interested in starting a business or you feel really a lot of purpose around something, whether it's like climbing mountains or, you know, like working with kids or saving street dogs, you know, it could yeah. be anything. Um, but that like, when I feel like I have purpose or when I'm really excited about something, it makes it a lot easier to wake up in the morning and be like, I'm going to choose like foods that make me feel good. I don't want to be thinking about my diet all the time. And so like, maybe it is easier, easier to just like buy frozen meals. Like you're making choices that are going to help you show up fully and present yeah. and like being present and having enough energy to do the things that you're like really excited about. Um, where like, if you were constantly thinking about either your diet or like restricting calories or like, when are you going to go to the gym? you're not fully present. You're not showing up, you know, the way that you want to. And so that's been really healing for me. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm right there with you. And I would say even on top of that, allowing yourself to rest, because like, you're not going to be able to show up fully in entrepreneurship and making decisions that are best for you in the business. If your brain is fried, if you're tired, if you've pushed past your limit. And like, no one wants to make tough decisions when you're already exhausted. And so that's definitely a piece of it too, that, uh, like even tying into my schedule of, of, yes, I wear a lot of hats and do a lot of things, but like rest and making sure I get enough sleep or even just enough, like downtime is so important. Um, and my, I can tell, you know, my body definitely thanks me for it. Yeah, totally. Oh, this is such an interesting topic of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how interconnected they are. Yeah. Like uh, entrepreneurship and, and body image and being intuitive. And it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy to think about how like one impacts the other so strongly. Totally. And I'd be so interested to hear like how other people outside of the, the weight inclusive space, like what they think about this too rule me in if I get off on a tangent here, but being an entrepreneur, you probably read quite a few business books. I know I did. I imagine you've read a handful too. And the number of references that business books make to like having willpower in your business to like having willpower in a diet is so problematic. It's so frustrating. Anytime I read a business, like, I don't think I've read a single business book that hasn't made comparisons about like exercise or dieting. And I'm like, can we please stop? Please wow. stop. Yeah. And I think about like those businesses being like so masculine, so pushing, like these things are also not sustainable. You know, like one thing that I love about your and I's work is it, it also feels very like life first, like, yes, we run businesses and we are both like very much engaged in our life outside of our businesses and how important that is. And that like, we're building businesses also to be more engaged and present in our lives. We're like, maybe some of these like other books that are like talking about working out and how similar they are to marketing or whatever, like 
yeah, maybe it is always about like, how much money can you make? Like, how far can you go? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Which feels so icky. I'm so thankful that I, I like read that. And I'm like, not for me. That's, um, mm-mm. totally, you know, we're like, we are thinking just like building a business. Like it is about like finding something that's sustainable that we can come back to again and again within our work lives, <laughs> which is literally so similar to intuitive eating. Yes. All the connections. It is all, all one in the same underlying <laughs> base. Mind blowing. <laughs> totally. Um, amazing, Morgan. Tell me, you know, like because you do literally so many things, tell me what are you feeling really excited about right now in all of the the things that you do? I am usually most lit up by the things that have the most traction uh in my life. And so I feel like it changes pretty frequently, but like right here, right now, in this moment, while we're recording. I would say I'm building out a assessment for the Weight Inclusive Business Academy where people can take a short little quiz assessment to figure out what stage of entrepreneurship they're in. And with that, what things they need to be focusing on in business. So you're not having to put like the cart in front of the horse. Like there's, there are certain things that a lot of people think that they need to have done before they can go off on their own. Um, when in reality, like you really just need the basics. And so I'm building that out right now. And that feels really fun and really exciting. Um, and that's probably tied with the eating expedition, which is the food focus trips that I host, um, around the world. We have a trip coming up in September and I have two more spots left on it. Shameless plug on the pod where we'll be traveling at Northern Italy for 10 days and visiting farms, factories, food trucks, fine dining, having some firsthand experiences with Italian cuisine and the connection that Italian food brings to the people in Italy. Oh my gosh. How did you think about that? How did you come up with like the idea to run a, run a food focus trip? Yeah. So I, my degrees in nutrition, I'm from Texas A&M university down here in Texas. And they had nutrition and food science focused study abroad when I was in college. I know. And so one summer I spent, I am very fortunate. I got to do two of them. So one summer I spent four and a half weeks in Northern Italy. And that's kind of where the idea got planted. And then the following summer I did five weeks in Brazil. Hmm. Uh, Our whole trip was focused around the food culture of those cities, of the countries, what they're known for, like agriculturally. And so much of the excursions we did were just things that if I was visiting there as like a tourist, never would have thought to to do. But food is such an interesting piece that I feel like people are constantly seeking out when they're traveling. And so I was like, people beyond nutrition and food science majors would for sure be interested in this. And so that's kind of when the idea started. And then I actually ended up moving to Italy after I finished my dietetic internship before I jumped into the workforce. Uh, Cause I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. And while I was there, the idea really solidified of like, okay, like I need to make this happen. Yeah. How do you, I mean, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious. Like, how do you think that a trip like this can promote like healing your relationship with food? Yeah, it's, it's, I love that you asked that 
Um, whenever, actually, whenever I started the eating expedition, originally it was just going to be for people who were like in the tail end of recovery from an eating disorder. Um, I realized that was a little too niche of a market. I would still love to, to host a trip like that. But I think there's just something so telling whenever you can go to like the birthplace of a certain cuisine of a certain food and get to go like pet the cows that are producing the milk that make Parmesan cheese in Parma, Italy. Like there's just such a connecting factor within that, that I think it, it, and I've noticed this in myself too, of like now when I go out to dinner with friends and we're ordering something with Parmesan cheese, I get to like share that experience of like, oh my God, like this one time, whenever I was in Italy, like I actually got to go like pet the red cows that like made the cheese, the Parmigiano Reggiano. And so I think it just provides a lot of excitement, a lot of adventure um, and adding more mindfulness, like within being an intuitive eater. Yeah. And also like the amount of appreciation you have for food now, it's like, it doesn't become just calories on a plate. It's like, I have such deep appreciation about the process of the taste of like where it comes from the tradition, everything like food is so creative. Food is such like, so celebratory. Um, and I love, 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 love that you're doing these trips. It's I think so important. Well, thank you. These trips wouldn't have happened if it weren't for your guidance too on leaning into the like super scary emotions of like, how am I going to find people to go on a trip? And then getting to talk with you uh, a few months ago, whenever I was in the midst of, of fine tuning this trip and, and having that encouragement from you uh, got us to where we are. So thank you for that. You bet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hosting and guiding trips is definitely a growth edge and really scary, but like the experience is so worth it. Really, really scary and amazing. <laughs> yes. Having to hold space for both of those things. <laughs> amazing. Morgan, tell us like where people can find you, where can they connect with you? Where can they like hear your voice every single week? Um, <laughs> tell us everything. Well, I love Instagram. So that would be my number one recommendation. Uh, it's just at Morgan Sinclair. It's my first and last name. I, I show up on Instagram stories daily. I was going through my like IG story archives and can't tell you the last time that I didn't post on IG stories. So you can for sure find me there, get little snippets of like my behind the scenes life outside of being an entrepreneur. And there's also a lot of entrepreneurial stuff there. Uh, in my bio on Instagram, you can also uh, get linked to the eating expeditions Instagram page, as well as the weight inclusive innovators podcast Instagram. And so I would say that would be the best place to find me. And there's links from there. Everything's connected on the interwebs. Awesome. Well, everyone should go check out Morgan. She's like literally the best. <laughs> right back at you. Oh my God. I'm so thankful for you, Kristen. I know. <laughs> I like, I love the internet for bringing us together. I'm so thankful. I literally don't know what I would do if I couldn't like check in with you on the regular. Cheers <laughs> to Facebook groups. Cheers to Instagram. Cheers to technology. Totally. And if, if you were somebody who's like thinking about, you know, stepping into entrepreneurship or interested in, you know, like the weight inclusive space, definitely connect with Morgan and thank you again. I'm so happy. And um, I can't wait to talk again, probably like next week. Yeah, probably. Well, thank you so much for having me. I will be talking to you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wilder Wellness Podcast. 
If you loved this episode, head on over to rate and subscribe. New episodes drop each week. I can't wait to catch up with you on and off of the trail. See you then.